Good morning, this is Neil Parks, your host for Paranormally Speaking. On this week's episode, I will be discussing ghosts of the past, present, and future. Future ghosts, you ask, how is that possible? Well, I think that 21st century ghosts are going to be so lame. They will be floating around and staring down at their phantom phones. They will be easily triggered if someone misgenders them. Everything will be hashtag boo or hashtag get out. I'm willing to assume that many of the future ghosts will be people who died from performing stupid social media stunts. Many of the future ghosts will still believe that the last election was stolen, that COVID was a hoax, even if they themselves died from it when they were alive, that the world is really flat, and the attempted coup slash insurrection was really just a bunch of patriots sightseeing. Mark my words, future ghosts are really going to suck. And of course, I'll be discussing ghosts of the past and ghosts of the present. Cover an array of topics in that area. Questions that people have asked me. Conventions, festivals, or book signings I've been to where people have asked me really interesting questions pertaining to certain types of ghosts or the era of certain types of ghosts. I'll be right back with more of that after a brief message from one of my sponsors. As now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. The reason I chose the title of Ghosts of the Past, Present, and Future has a lot to do with one of the main classic tales that really drew me into the paranormal. For the most part, it's what drew me in. And that would be A Christmas Carol from Charles Dickens. That is a life-altering story on so many levels. And, of course, it deals with the ghosts of the past, ghosts that we're battling in the present, and ghosts we've yet to battle in the future. And it's all metaphorical. I mean, we're not really battling ghosts every day, but the ghost was a representation of mistakes and failures that have happened, that continue to happen, and that are yet to happen. And the ghosts show the reflection of Ebenezer Scrooge to himself. He sees what kind of a monster he's become and gave him a chance to change for the better. And those ghosts are very important when it comes to storytelling, ghosts in general when it comes to talking about the paranormal. And I've had people ask me, hey, when you're on an investigation or, hey, if you go into some place that's haunted, have you ever encountered, oh, I don't know, an Egyptian ghost or the ghost of like a Roman soldier? And I'm thinking, dude, we are in Ohio and you're asking me if I've encountered an Egyptian or a ghost or a ghost from the Ming Dynasty. I mean, you're not going to in this region, of course. You'll encounter native spiritual energy. You can encounter the spiritual energy left behind from frontiersmen, early settlers, things like that, of course, but you probably won't encounter an Egyptian ghost or the ghost of a Roman soldier unless you are in that region at a certain point in time in your life. That's what I used to think. And, of course, experience and time has taught me that relics and antiques and 
even like a rock or a stone from a certain location has spiritual attachments to it. Things that took place in that region at a certain time and imprinted themselves on that item, that artifact, relic. And museums are a primary example of that. I remember when the Kosai Science Museum in Columbus, Ohio was featuring remnants of Titanic and actual pieces from the ship and from those who died and showing you the science behind the water and the iceberg and important things like that but then you're looking at the relics and the antiques left behind from those who died and perished in that tragic accident and then you start talking to the employees of COSI and security and they're all saying the same thing, that it gives off this weird vibe, or these things show up on the security camera moving around that they've never seen before, or they're walking down the hallway to shut the lights off to close, and then there's a person standing there in a top hat and a long coat who they had never seen before, nor do they work with. And that happened when Kosai had featured the Titanic artifacts and what was left behind from the shipwreck and it got me thinking after I experienced that and talked to those people I had a trip coming up to New York City which would put me in the way of the Museum of Natural History and I had a lot of fun exploring that I had everything from all regions of the world and parts of the world and artifacts and weapons and so forth mounted and on display under glass on the wall And it just gave off this energy like nothing I had ever experienced. Foreign energy. And hearing or seeing things that weren't physically there. I mean, it was electric. And then the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. I've been through that. Same type of paranormal electricity. Strong energy. Battlefield of Gettysburg. Another good example of imprint on an environment from that bloody battle that took place in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And that's a a walking haunted lot. It's you move in, you move out, things stay there. If you were to build a neighborhood in the battlefield of Gettysburg, every single freaking house would be haunted, not because of what happened in the house, but because of what happened in the environment that the house was built upon. Now, If you were to go to Bethlehem and through Israel and Jerusalem, could you experience or encounter a Roman guard? Possibly. Could you encounter or experience the spiritual energy left behind from the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? That's possible. That spiritual energy could remain because it imprints on space and time. It stays there. It becomes a physical entity that's not necessarily intelligent but instinctual and it just stays there and hovers and there are certain people who can walk through said environment and tap into things tap into these energies and they get flashes or they hear things replaying in their mind or they'll see like a full-on replay or a reenactment of what happened then from the spiritual figures left behind and that's why i chose Ghosts of the past, present, and future to discuss in this week's episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks, and I will be sharing with you a story that my son and I encountered 
while walking through the upstairs of Lloyd's Sweet Shop in Chillicothe, Ohio. Now, the canal used to run through this area, and Chillicothe is my hometown. It was the original capital of Ohio. And Lloyd's Sweet Shop was right along the border of the Erie Canal as the, the boats would go through. The top floor of this place was a brothel. And the women would wave their hankies and call to the men who were coming in on their boats or going out on their boats and would entertain them. And this all took place on the top floor of what would later become Lloyd's Sweet Shop. And much later down the road, it became a boarding school for a short-lived period of time. Then a bar, and then it sat dormant for a very long time until the 1980s when it was opened as a candy store. Since then, it has changed hands a couple of more times. It is no longer Lloyd's Sweet Shop. It is going to become a shoe store. So each owner who has come and gone from this location has come to me with the same stories of hearing footsteps upstairs, the sound of furniture being moved around, the sounds of women crying, men shouting and throwing glass bottles against the wall, the smell of phantom food. I've heard it from all of them. And this story I'm about to share with you will cover all of those and more. I remember a few years ago, a walkthrough that I conducted during the daytime at a local property in my hometown of Chillicothe, Ohio, Ohio's first capital. It was before the second annual Chillicothe Ghost Walk. This was in 2008, and it was in the historic downtown district of Chillicothe, Ohio, where the Erie Canal used to go through, which is now known as Water Street, and the upstairs now apartment area of this property, which beneath it was at that time Lloyd's Sweet Shop. And the upstairs during the days of the canal was a brothel. Uh, and at another time it was uh, like group housing. But at this time, I'm doing a daytime walkthrough and I brought my son with me who was fastly approaching the age of two. He was able to walk around and had a bag of candy that I had acquired from Lloyd's Sweet Shop before making our way up there. Yes, I take my children on research and walkthroughs and <clears throat> investigations sometimes. And accompanying us on this walkthrough was one of the founding members of the Women's League of Voters of Ross County, Ohio. They were the ones that were promoting and bankrolling this downtown ghost walk. And they chose me as the primary expert on all things paranormal in preparation for the ghost walk. So they had me walk with uh, one of their members upstairs to what at one time was a brothel. And as I'm walking around, this the stairwell that leads up to the top floor is extremely narrow. Uh, I'm assuming because at that time there were no trans fats in food or hormones, growth hormones in our food. So people were considerably smaller back then on average. And now we have an obesity problem in the United States. So it's going to be uh, a bit more difficult for some people to make their way up this stairwell. 
But fortunately, during the ghost walk, when it happened a few weeks later, people of all shapes and sizes were able to scale those stairs, make it in, and experience the paranormal that was in this property firsthand. Now, as I reach the top of the stairs, I'm holding my son, and he's clenching his brown bag of candy. Now, some of this candy, you got your basic chocolate coins wrapped in the foil. You have some of your import chocolates and various other gadgetry like novelty items. You know, because I like to splurge on my kids. So this was way before Bella was born, too. She came along two years later. So as I'm walking around with him, I put him down to walk next to me, holding his tiny hand. And in his other hand, he's holding that same bag. And I'm just conversing back and forth with this member of the Women's League of Voters. And before she even tells me anything about the property, I immediately get a sense of female energy, not just from her, but overall strong female energy in this property in the upstairs. And I could smell old world cooking taking place or having had taken place at one point in time in this area. Now, you know, that's all old 19th century or 20th century, um, late 19th century wallboard, of course, and food and other various aromas like pipe smoke or cigar smoke will bake into the wallboard. And due to changes in atmospheric climate change or whatever, those aromas will expel from the wallboard, almost as if the board, the wall itself is breathing. So you get a whiff of that and you're immediately taken back to another time. So I could smell like old lard and old fried food and various other types of aromas, pipe smoke, um, old world perfumes. It just sort of lingered in the upstairs of this property. And as I'm turning a corner and walking past one of the rooms, because there's a room to the left, room to the right, and three rooms ahead. Now, this upstairs area goes on and on and on. It's all interconnected to the neighboring properties and the properties in the back. This is one city block here that is a part of the historical downtown district. And I go from one room to another, and I keep feeling like something's running from me. Like I've discovered it and it knows that I feel it, that I notice it, and it moves from room to room. Luke immediately starts reacting. That's my son. As I'm holding him over my shoulder, because I pick him up before we walk further back because it's a, it's a bit darker there and I wasn't sure of the flooring, if it was strong enough to support us. So I have him over my shoulder and he starts giggling and reaching out to something behind me. And I turn, I don't turn my full body, I just turn my head and look out of the corner of my eye. And he has his hand over both of his eyes, the only hand that's not clenching the bag of chocolates. And then he giggles and moves his hands away from his eyes and then back over the eyes. He was playing peekaboo with something behind me that I could not physically see, but I could metaphysically feel the energy of what he saw with his own eyes. And this went on for about five minutes. And we go further back. I take a left. A few more rooms here and there. And this thing continues to follow us. So at this point, when we reach 
the main foyer area of the upstairs, beyond all the rooms, beyond the kitchen, beyond the one bathroom that was up there for all of these rooms. I sit him down on a folding table that's up there. And he turns and faces the other way while I'm having a conversation with the representative from the Women's League of Voters about the plans for the ghost walk, where I'm going to be sitting, where they're going to set up my table. Because I would, of course, at this point in time, be selling the first book I ever had published. At, At that point in time, I had only had one book out. This was in 2008. I was a new author, a relatively unknown regionally or statewide or even beyond that. I was just on the lips and minds of a few people. No big deal. And this was way before my podcast or YouTube channel or appearances and documentaries and working with independent film companies and paranormal films and so forth before my IMDB page. It was a humble beginning. And when I sit Luke on this table, he starts blabbing away and conversing with something that's in the corner that I can feel is there, but I don't see it. It's not revealing itself to me. He still sees it. And he opens up his bag, reaches his hand in, and holds out one of the foil-wrapped chocolates and keeps saying, here, here, here. And he puts his hand down, and for like five seconds, that freaking foil-wrapped chocolate sort of hovers there as he puts his hand down. And then it just drops on the table. And he takes out a little toy car that was in the bag that I also acquired from the novelty section of this chocolate shop for him. And he rolls it on the table and it stops. Rolls it a little way and it stops right at the edge. And both the representative for the Women's League of Voters and myself are watching this happen. And the car stops turns around like someone placed their thumb and index finger on it and twisted it around and pushed it right back towards him. He giggled with delight. It was a great time for him. But it was a little unsettling because I couldn't see the damn thing. But he was fully interacting with some metaphysical apparition. And, you know, I've told him this story to this day. In fact, I wrote about the encounter in my second book which is titled Haunted Chillicothe, all about the history and mystery of this paranormal hotspot that I live in. My first book was titled Paranormal Chronicles, Tales of Humor, Horror, and the Absolutely Strange. And that was a first attempt to essentially dip my toe in the water of the literary world to see where it would take me. Because I just wanted to share stories that my grandmother had relayed to me of her experiences and encounters and people around her, what they saw and heard and witnessed. And my great aunt and my uncles who served in uh, the Vietnam War and what they saw overseas and witnessed paranormal encounters, weird beasts of the jungle, uh, UFO sightings, ghosts, name it. That's what I wrote about in the first book. My own personal experiences and That's why this story I just shared with you made it to my second book, because it truly was a powerful experience involving a child 
and the paranormal. Please hold for an important word from our sponsor. Unparalleled insider access. Get it all. Introducing the SiriusXM Platinum VIP plan. Our newest, most exclusive plan. Listen in two cars, plus stream anywhere with two app logins. Access a massive, exclusive library of live concert video and audio recordings through nugs.net. Have opportunities to experience live and virtual SiriusXM events, including VIP-only exclusives. Get all your questions answered by a dedicated VIP customer care team. Plus, get all the entertainment we've got. It's all included with your Platinum VIP subscription. Be a VIP. Call 844-711-8800 to learn more. Offer details apply. One login for activated vehicle. Not available in Canada. A majority of people believe they have seen a ghost, poll claims. Three in five people have said that they have seen a ghost in their lifetime, according to this new poll. A survey of 2,000 people found most believe they had a supernatural experience, with 40% saying they thought their pet had had one as well. One in three had either lived or stayed in a house they felt was haunted. When confronted with a ghost, men were twice as likely as women to scream and run away, while other initial responses included crying, hiding, and fainting. We know from experience that year after year, people love to be scared and seek out as many frightful opportunities as possible. If something scary isn't for you or your children, carving a pumpkin, visiting an apple orchard, or going on a hayride can also be great ways to celebrate the paranormal. Survey also identified other fears that give us the shivers, such as snakes, spiders, sharks, and drowning, heights, public speaking, failure, bees, cramped spaces, and rejection. Even though snakes ranked higher than bees on the list of fears by a more than two to one margin, most respondents said they would rather have snakes slither all over them than to be surrounded by a swarm of bees. The not-so-passive Pacific. The Pacific Theater was the scene of World War II's most violent battles. In Okinawa, a Pacific island about a thousand miles from Tokyo, that battle became personal. Japanese strategists knew that if the Americans seized Okinawa, they would have a base suitable to stage an invasion of Japan's mainland. They filled the imaginations of the island's civilians with tales of supposed American atrocities. When the U.S. did invade, thousands of Okinawans reportedly jumped off of cliffs to their deaths to avoid capture. Visitors to the island said that they have heard the beat of footsteps rush by them to the cliffs and have heard screams following that. Some have even said, when you heard the footsteps and simultaneously felt a breeze blow by them at that time. Others believe the presence of spirits passed directly through them as the ghosts reenact their last desperate leaps. Police can't find cause of demonic sounds at a Colorado restaurant. Imagine you're in a fast food restaurant at 3 a.m. Yes, you're probably drunk and or hungover. You hear someone screaming and making demonic sounds. Do you, A, check to see if they're coming from you? B, ask for your Happy Meal to go and run like crazy? Or C, wait for the police to show up because this is the most fun you've had at 3 a.m. in ages. 
Now, let's say you're an employee at the same fast food restaurant at the same ungodly hour when you hear the same ungodly scream. Do you A, quit and run, B, make the new kid check it out, or C, wait for the police to show up because this is the most fun you've had at 3 a.m. in ages? Fortunately, the staff at a McDonald's in Pueblo, Colorado, chose another option, which is why we have an unofficial record of this mysterious incident. February 13th. PPD watch at about 3.30 a.m. this morning, officers responded to a business in the area of Pueblo Boulevard and Northern. Employees reported hearing a woman screaming and making demonic sounds to include speaking in strange language and barking. They were so unnerved by the sounds that they said they would not be going back outside their building until after the sun came up. Three officers searched the area but didn't come up with the the source of the disturbance. Pueblo Police Captain Tom Rummel gave his report on the department's Twitter feed, where it was picked up and reported by the Pueblo Chieftain and Crickets. There have been no other reports as of this writing of any of these or other demonic screams at this McDonald's. What could have created sounds so horrifying that the employees, after... Even getting an all-clear from the cops refused to enter, or sorry, exit the building until daylight. Was it an ill woman, as some suggest, a prankster, or something more sinister? Pueblo is an old, old West city with many reasons to be haunted. The Fort Pueblo Massacre... That occurred on December 25th, 1854. Oh my God, that was Christmas in 1854. That's awful, a massacre. Was a retaliatory attack by native Muach UTs over the killing of one of their own that resulted in the deaths of 15 men, one woman from the fort. The city had a number of orphanages and an insane asylum now called the Colorado Mental Health Institute at Pueblo which are traditional magnets for ghosts and screams. And the Great Flood of 1921 caused the deaths of over 1,500 people in the town. However, there's also the possibility that this is one of those apparitions that seem to like McDonald's restaurants. William Morgan died under mysterious Freemason-related circumstances in 1826 in Lewistown, New York and his ghost was heard rattling chains at a McDonald's on the location that was once a Masonic temple. The appearance of a mysterious giggling girl haunting the restrooms of the Idabal, Oklahoma McDonald's, and the occasional flushing with no one around incidences caused one employee there to quit without notice. The McDonald's in Cairo, Texas, is built on the site of a gas station where a child was tragically run over and killed and a mechanic was crushed to death under the car lift of the same McDonald's, causing both of their ghosts to haunt the restaurant now that it's there in place of the old gas station. If you're looking for screams, a McDonald's in Colorado Springs, just up the road from Pueblo, is haunted by the spirit of a Native American who is heard walking and rattling keys, and screams have been heard in the kitchen. Rumor has it the restaurant is built on an ancient burial mound. Special thanks to the weak and weird for these stories. The last Colorado tale makes one 
wonder if the McDonald's in Pueblo might also be built over a Native American graveyard. Another frequent source of ghosts and scary sounds and incidences. Is anyone interested in checking? If you ask the employees, the answers are probably A, no, B, hell no, and C, you first. Would you? Available to order now, my first audiobook, Neil Parks Presents Truly Terrifying Tales, narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and lulu.com. You can also order t-shirts that I designed that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the 9-inch tall 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes available, and last spring my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author R.L. Walker. I illustrated this book, and it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been dark and scary. To order any of what I just mentioned, you can also go to my email, which is parksparanormal at gmail.com. That is parksparanormal at gmail.com. Standing by. Something that most would never consider. As isolated as Antarctica is, there's actually ghost stories in Antarctica. Yeah, you bet. Antarctica has a compelling history feel, filled with tales of bravery, tragedy, and remarkable feats. When you think of that, then pair it with its vast white emptiness and white windswept ice. It's not hard to transport your imagination to a world filled with spooky subjects. Antarctica certainly has its fair share of ghost stories. For example, Ross Island, home to scientific base McMurdo Station. Ross Island is also the site of a devastating plane crash that killed 257 people in 1979. Visitors claim to, well, researchers anyway, have heard ghostly footsteps and voices in the darkness. And there have been plenty of ghostly encounters experienced there over the years. There have even been sightings of flight victims wandering the frigid landscape. And eerie moaning, voices and footsteps have been heard around the station. Scott's Hut. Located at Cape Evans, Scott's Hut is said to be heavily haunted by the souls of perished explorers. In 1911, 25 men overwintered in the hut, and it was here that Sir Robert Scott and his men departed on their ill-fated journey to the South Pole. Some visitors have said that stepping foot in the hut brings a feeling of dread. Others have seen shadowy figures and heard misplaced noises. A cross that was erected nearby in memory of members of Ross's sea party, who died not far from the hut, seems to draw wandering spirits, offering an additional spookiness to this place. The ghost of Shackleton. Shackleton's hut, also on Ross Island, is said to be rife with paranormal activity. Famed explorer Sir Edmund Hillary claims to have seen Shackleton's ghost there. Said Hillary, I remember when I first went to Shackleton's hut, and I'm not a person who really sees things very much, but I went inside the door, 
When I open the door, it's a rather sort of bare hut inside, and I distinctly saw Shackleton walking towards me and welcoming me, and then it all sort of flashed away and he was gone. Considered a historic monument, the hut is incredibly well-preserved, and should you visit it, it's easy to imagine a ghost living there. Wordy House. From objects flying off shelves to doors slamming shut on their own. Wordy House has been known to emit a dark and creepy aura to those who set foot within the house. Though it's unclear what ghosts might haunt this historical site, there is no explanation for the unusual events that have happened inside. Jenny, the ghost ship. After leaving port in 1823, Jenny was on an ill-fated voyage after the ship became trapped in ice and frozen solid. When the ship was discovered, it was thought that the crew was still alive, but it was soon realized that the occupants were perfectly preserved in a frozen state after dying from hunger. Deception Island The tale of ghosts lingering at the abandoned huts and deserted whaling stations serve as a reminder of those who lived and died in the coldest, windiest, and driest place on earth. Though the land can be unforgiving, ghosts exists on a plane of existence that goes beyond our understanding. Visitors have claimed to see light orbs and apparitions and even hear voices. Blood Falls. Yes, there is a waterfall that I mentioned earlier where it looks like it's running red with blood in Antarctica. No, it's not actual blood. As creepy as blood waterfall sounds, there is a scientific explanation for it. Oh, thank goodness, I should say. Salt water mixes with iron from the bedrock below the glacier. Gives it a similar color to blood when exposed to oxygen. And there you have it. A waterfall that looks like it is running red with blood. Is Antarctica the most haunted place in the world? Eh, no one knows for sure, but it's stunning beauty and bountiful life and the amazing animals that inhabit the continent more than make up for any heebie-jeebies you might experience. After all, this is where the great explorers and brave souls ventured to come so that you could go there safely today. Dave Grohl says that the Foo Fighters recorded their upcoming album, their 10th album, in that neat, uh, in California, and it turns out the house is haunted. They can't even tell you about the house because a lady is trying to sell it. Huh. They said, we found out about the history of the house and I had to sign an effing non-disclosure agreement with the landlord because he's trying to sell it. So I can't give away what happened there, but they set up a baby monitor. Things did happen. They did How see cool things. How cool is that? Um, their guitars would be detuned between sessions. All their settings on their soundboard would go back to zero. Their tracks would go missing. Some tracks didn't record while theirs would be there instead i guess like weird mic open noises okay like the yeah, yeah, yeah mic would just open and noises would be there sure when they walked into the house dave said i knew the vibes were definitely off but the sound was effing on he said <laughs> the, stuff. the vibes were off but the sound yes. was on he said stuff That's started happening awesome. almost right away and they got increasingly weirded out and that wild? Yeah, who would not? I mean, like that's yeah, that's really weird. I Once mean, like, this... you're recording, you're recording like one of the coolest albums that you could record. What your your tenth one, and then right. all of a sudden you're surrounded by a bunch of ghosts. <laughs> I love it. 
Once they sell that house, I bet we'll get more details. Well, yeah, you want to know ahead of time, though, that that's the house, right? Yes, oh my God. It's kind of cool, actually. Some people... Like, look for haunted houses. I, that's what I think, too. I think like eventually Parks. they could probably get more out of that house because that would be the place. Neil Parks would love that. Foo Fighters recorded there. And it's haunted. Yep. He buys haunted items online. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're you're begging curses to be inside well, your honest. home. Neil, you know, he, he wants to hang out with the ghosts pretty bad. He does. Yes, yeah. he does. <laughs> he has some books written right now. You can check them out uh, or you can buy them online. Neil Parks, look for him. He's local and it's all the local haunts around here. Chillicothe, you name it. He has been there and he's written about it. Thank you, everyone, for hanging in with me this long. This was the end of the episode for this week. As sad as it may sound, I'll be back next week, of course, with more creepy stuff to share with you. Thank you so much for tuning in as always. Glad to have you as a friend, a fan, or someone who's just listening for the first time. I hope you're not too terribly bored. Thank you and have a great weekend. And take care of yourselves and be good to those around you. Thank you and good night. Yeah!